You're listening to a teaching from Get the Word Out and Mary Jean Powers. For more information and audio content, visit www.getthewordout.cc. When I was a kid, Christmas was the highlight of the year. Actually, I liked Christmas a lot until I was in my late 30s. Those were the days when I was teaching or playing music about 14 hours every day. Christmas can be a really demanding time for church musicians and music teachers, and I was both. My breaking point came the year I directed 35 dress rehearsals and concerts in 15 days. Insanity. As I was walking away from the last performance, I heard myself say, I hate Christmas. And then I knew I had a problem, and that problem had become a monster. There had been no time to bake my favorite cookies or listen to Christmas music just for the sake of enjoyment instead of performance. No time to actually appreciate the shopping process or for reminiscing as I decorated the tree or to leisurely revel in the artwork of my beautiful Christmas books. Literally everything had taken its place on the to-do list, which I look forward to like a root canal. Something had to change. Processing this with a colleague one day, I made a decision. Every day, several times a day if necessary, I would go into the bathroom, close the door, and stare at myself eye to eye in the mirror. And that's awkward. (laughs) When I was sure I had my undivided attention and using my firmest voice, I would order myself, you will keep your peace this Christmas. Now repeat after me, I will keep my peace. And then I would obey myself and I would say, I will keep my peace. I will keep my peace. It was a decision I made as a means of controlling my thoughts and my words and my actions. And it actually worked. I chose peace because peace is from God's heart. It's the way of his kingdom for each of us. So before we go any further, let's look at a few Bible verses about peace, starting with one of Paul's blessings on the church in Thessaloniki. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the Bible, one of God's names is the God of peace. He is peace. He doesn't just have it. And he wants to give peace to every part of us, our bodies, souls, spirits, our minds, our wills, and our emotions. Isaiah prophesied about Jesus, calling him the Prince of Peace in Isaiah 9-6. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus is God's perfect peace personified. He is our Prince of Peace. He comes to us to reveal God's kingdom of peace. You could say that he is our knight in shining armor coming to rescue us so we can have peace. Holy Spirit is also associated with peace in the Bible. 
Romans 14, 17 says, God's kingdom is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Romans 15, 13, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the familiar verses about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And then regarding our relationships with one another, Paul exhorts us in Ephesians chapter 4 to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit between us. How? Through the bond of peace. So let's look at this word, peace. Genesis 15, 15 is the first time this word is used in the Bible. God was making a covenant with Abram and promised him that at the end of his life, he would die in peace. The Hebrew word, of course, is shalom, and it means completeness, soundness, welfare, peace. The goal of shalom is completeness, a condition where nothing is missing and nothing is broken. It's soundness, wholeness, contentment, security, safety. This is peace. We say that we achieve peace with God when we receive Jesus and his finished work at the cross, ask him to forgive us for our sins, and make a choice to trust him with our lives. We have peace in our spirits. Our spirit man instantly becomes holy, whole, complete, and sound. But Jesus also came to restore our souls, not just redeem our spirits. He came to bring peace to our minds, peaceful healing to our emotions, peace to our decision-making process. Where you have not had peace in Jesus, peace is available to you. Where things have been confusing in Jesus, order can be restored. Where there has been anxiety in Jesus, calm can take its place within you now. And where you have been stressed in Jesus, you can rest now. And take a deep breath. Peace begins with a decision you make, a decision to receive the peace of God, which passes all understanding. God's peace will keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, according to Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. Peace does not come from circumstances. It comes from relationship, first with God, our source of peace. Can you have peace in your heart when the world around you is falling apart? Yes. Peace with God is the starting point. Peace in all other areas flows out of peace with Him. When there's peace with God, you can trust Him with your circumstances. Isaiah 49.23 and Psalm 25.3 say, Those who hope in Him will never be disappointed. Those who hope in Him will never be put to shame. If we put our hope in the economy, or in people, or in job security, at some point we will be disappointed. But those who put their hope in God 
will not be disappointed in him. We will not be put to shame, certainly not by him. He is asking us to look through our circumstances and embrace him, the Prince of Peace. He is our security. He is our provider. He's our best friend. And he's our father, the lover of our souls. Now back to Isaiah 9, 6. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The word peace in this verse means safety, well-being, happiness. It means welfare, health, prosperity. It means friendliness, to be in friendship with, familiar, intimate, and harmonious relationships between people, nations, churches, and with God. All of this kind of peace is in the context of rest and contentment and quietness of heart. Right now, the world is in turmoil. In our country, in the United States, we have COVID to deal with like everyone else, and we also have protests and elections and forest fires and natural disasters and flooding and on and on and on. And it's Christmas time, the season of peace. So how can we choose peace as our priority this Christmas? In Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, we read part of the Christmas message. Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth goodwill to men. That first statement, glory to God in the highest. In the highest places, how might heaven have celebrated the sending of Jesus to earth? Yes, the shepherds saw and heard the angels, but what was going on in heaven? That's what I want to know. And then that second statement, peace on earth. God's announcement at that first Christmas was peace, peace on earth. That's how he described the coming of Jesus. Peace, the shalom of God, where nothing is missing and nothing is broken, is now available to us on this earth through Jesus. Jesus, the Prince of Peace. He came so that you and I can have his peace. And that third statement, goodwill toward men. Peace and God's goodwill is now available to all people on earth through Jesus. In the New Testament, the term goodwill is never used in reference to man's pleasure, but to God's. God, in his goodwill toward people, toward us, has sent Jesus to give us peace. So how can we express glory to God for sending Jesus, the Prince of Peace? By being peaceable, peaceful, peacemaking, peace-choosing people by choosing peace in each area of our lives. What a great way to say thank you to God for the gift of his son. Take a couple of minutes right now and ask yourself, in which areas of my life do I have God's peace? And then of course the obvious second question, in which areas of my life do I not have his peace? And then just a challenge, pause the podcast Pray right now and invite the Prince of Peace 
into the details of your situations. Now let's look at John chapter 14, verse 27. Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. In other words, Jesus is saying, trust me. He's inviting us to trust him. In this word, the word for peace means prosperity, oneness, quietness, rest, undisturbed peace of mind. It means to join, to tie together into a whole, wholeness, completeness, when all essential parts are joined together. Peace is God's gift of wholeness. So we could say in John 14, 27, Jesus said, wholeness I leave with you. My wholeness I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Trust me. I came to make you whole. If you want the real thing, you have to go to the source. Peace cannot be manufactured. Anything other than the true source is an imitation, a false representation. It's a cover-up. So peace can be counterfeited. A quiet home is not necessarily a peaceful home, is it? A loud home is not necessarily void of peace. Many people think that an easy, comfortable life with plenty of stuff around them brings peace. Every truth has a counterfeit. How might counterfeit peace look in your family, in your life? Some obvious examples of counterfeit peace are addictions, comfort food, alcohol, the TV, screens of all kinds, sex, phones, music playing all the time, people, silence, noise all the time, money, even the lack of it. These things don't have to be expressions of counterfeit peace, but they can be. The tricky part is that if my goal is merely to keep things from getting tense around me, I avoid actually getting to a peaceful place in my heart or in my relationships. But if I make peace, if I become a peacemaker, I have to go into the mess just like Jesus did when he came to us. He came into our mess. Being a peacemaker requires me to look at the mess in my heart and ask the hard questions. Why don't I have peace? Where did I lose peace? What do I need to do to get to a place of restoration and wholeness, a place of stability and quiet contentment? Being a peacemaker requires me to go into the mess of my heart and into the mess of my relationships where peace is absent. It may require me to confront in relationships. It will definitely require me to pray and to bless and to repent and to humble myself. It may require me to make restitution or to serve. Or maybe it's just time to simply trust God and wait for him to act. Regardless, I need to go into the mess in order to get peace. This is why Jesus came, to bring peace on earth 
and earth was a mess. He came to bring peace in our spirits at salvation, yes, but also peace in our souls, in our minds, in our choices, in our emotions, peace in our bodies, peace in our relationships, peace in the midst of this troubled world. Psalm 119, 165 says, Great peace have those who love thy law, and nothing shall offend them, nothing can make them stumble. The truth of God's word and our meditation of it keeps us in peace. The truth of God's word stabilizes us. Isaiah 26.3, perfect peace have all those whose minds are stayed on you because they trust in you. Keeping our minds stayed on God's nature and his character can really be a challenge. It's a God consciousness that constantly reminds me that he is God and he is good. But peace is a choice which is often determined by how I think and what I think. What do I allow to go on in that head of mine? What are my thought patterns? Do they lead toward peace or do they lead toward anxiety? Romans 12, 18, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. I put my self-centered desires to one side and I make a decision to be a peacemaker. We may not achieve actual peace between us and those with whom we struggle, but we can have peace in our hearts towards them and not allow divisive thoughts to run rampant in our minds. That's the peace that forgiveness brings. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 9. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. This is God's remedy for worry, a thankful heart that spills out of my mouth into words of thanks. And fixing my mind on God's perspective of my situation, meditating on what He has to say about my situation, focusing my mental attention on His ways and His truth, this is God's way to peace. According to these verses in Philippians, to be in a place where peace guards my heart and my mind, I must do three things. Number one, refuse anxiety. And that's a choice. Remember what I said at the beginning. It was a choice I made. I will keep my peace. I will keep my peace. So number one, refuse anxiety. Number two, pray about anything, pray about everything. And number three, be thankful. That's a choice too. New habits to be thankful. So to be in a place where peace guards my heart and my mind, I refuse anxiety, 
pray about anything, pray about everything, and be thankful. And if I follow these guidelines, this God-like peace will be so strong, so all-encompassing, so beyond the ordinary, that it cannot even be described. This kind of lifestyle will keep me at peace in Christ. So how might this look practically? How can I set myself up for peace when culture seems to be in a frantic frenzy? Here are some practical things which I have practiced through the years. Making these kinds of changes have unquestionably created a more peaceful December in my heart and the rest of the year too. And not just in my heart, but at work and in my home. So here are some practical things that may help you. I hope so. Number one, don't schedule anything you don't have to schedule. December especially is busy enough as it is. Number two, intentionally schedule... So how might So how might this look practically? How can I set myself up for peace when culture seems to be in a frantic frenzy all around me? Here are some practical things which I have practiced through the years. Making these kinds of changes have unquestionably created a more peaceful December in my heart and the rest of the year too. And not just in my heart, in my work and in my home. So here are some practical things which I've practiced. I hope they help you. They sure have helped me. Number one, don't schedule anything you don't have to schedule, especially in December. December is busy enough as it is. Number two, intentionally schedule personal time. My soul needs time to catch up with my body. Number three, intentionally schedule family time. Put it on the calendar. Put it on everybody's calendar. You need it. Your kids need it. We all need it. Number four, do things with your family that truly meant something to you when you were a kid. In other words, continue traditions, but not empty ones. Those lead to stress. Valuable traditions. Number five, and this is so important. Be all there. What do I mean by that? Give your full attention to whatever you're doing at the moment and to whomever is right in front of you. Be all there. Number six, do quiet things on purpose. Read, listen to music. Find ways to create an atmosphere of peace around you. Number seven, super practical. Don't overspend. Don't go into debt. Give appropriate heart gifts that you can afford. Number eight, nurture the reality of Christmas. What is it? Relationship with God through Jesus. And number nine, Pray for grace for the season. We all need grace, grace, and more grace. And remember 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on Him, 
for he cares for you. He cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. And now may the peace of God himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You've been listening to a teaching by Mary Jean Powers. If this teaching has ministered to or encouraged you, and you'd like to donate, please visit www.getthewordout.cc.